Praise God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord. Um, you are amazing. You are an awesome wonder, an awesome healer. You're definitely ruler of all things, Lord. Nothing's greater than you. And I am honored to serve you in the presence of your people. And I pray that you would use me, Lord God, to communicate your word. Uh, Father, that you would make me small, Lord God. That you would humble me. And that you would give me grace to present exactly what you have laid upon my heart, Lord. And exactly what your word communicates for the benefit of every soul that is in here today. And it's all for your glory. Father, we love you and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Oh, I love Jesus so much. The theme is surrender and sacrifice for this weekend. Um, as you may have heard, we've had an excellent conference. Um, I, I just, I've, I've, bishops thanked everybody. I want to thank everybody. I just, um, parents, thank you for bringing your youth out. Youth, thanks for coming out. Um, we had an awesome time in worship on Friday and fellowship and games and um and then on Saturday, we had a conference with three guest speakers, and it was, uh, it, it was an awesome time, and I was very delighted and grateful unto God for that time that I was able to share with the youth and that they were able to share with one another. Um, so today's message is entitled, Surrenderance and Sacrifice, okay? Um, not too many movies, even whenever I was, I've never liked to watch a movie twice. Um, that's just, I've considered it a waste of time, and even now, I just, I just don't like watching movies twice, um, but one thing I can do is I can listen to a good sermon, a biblical sermon, 70 times 7. As a matter of fact, I can listen to bishop sermons over and over again, uh, as a matter of fact, all of you guys that are here right now, this is the grace of God that you're here right now, indeed it is, and anyone that considers this place a home, anyone that God has led here, and anyone that chooses to stay here, that's the unmerited favor of God, that you are in a house with a leadership team and a body that is desiring to do the will of God according to his word. A man that is on fire for God. He loves God. He wants more than anything else for the will of God to be established in this place, in these walls. And he loves God's people. So that's grace. You can, and it's hard to find that these days. And that's why I'm, I'm very grateful unto God uh, for that. And uh, many people, they have hobbies. And they like to go fishing. They like to do different things and uh, of late. What I really enjoy doing is just listening to biblical sermons, man. I, I like listening to people communicate the word of God that is um, passionate with zeal with, uh, and spirit and truth, with power and conviction, um, uh, exposition message where they just communicate the word of God as the, as the, as the text meant to, is meant to be communicated by the, by the writer. Um, so with that said, I'm, I may repeat or, or say something that I've heard another uh, man of God say that that is taking care and dissecting the word, and uh, if that happens, I don't want the credit, but I don't think you should give it to them neither. I think you should give the credit, the thanks, the glory. Uh, I think you should give it all to God because He's the one that put the same Spirit inside of all of us that bears witness to the same thing, right? Amen. All right. So I just wanted to clear that up because this goes on iTunes. I don't want people trying to hunt me down saying that I didn't have permission to say something, but I don't think they would do that because they love y'all. And if they had an opportunity to speak to you, they would say what I've already heard them say. Um, so this is my first full year as youth pastor uh, with my wife by my side. Um, actually, a lot of times I she like 
you know, we, we're like, like right here, but sometimes she goes like right here. And sometimes it's like this. We're just, we're just a great team. Uh, God has blessed me with her. She's a wonderful woman. Um, yesterday, um, and you <laughs> surrender and sacrifice, right? I love that woman so much. Um, yesterday was our six-year anniversary. And, um, and we were delighted to spend it serving God's people, God's young people. Um, we, we, uh, we make time for each other. Don't, don't get all nervous. <laughs> but um, she's just a woman of God. She's a virtuous woman. If you don't know what that is, go to Proverbs 31. Read it, learn it, know it. If you're a woman, be that woman. <laughs> okay? Because the Bible says that that woman is more precious than treasure. How many of y'all stumble across rubies every day? It's hard to find. You don't just go stumbling across diamonds, stumbling across rubies. So whenever you find a woman like that, I know a man is like very delighted, like myself. So this is my first full year in youth, as, as youth pastor with her. Um, we started um, in the middle of last year, 2009. Probably like April, May, we took over. And um, the theme at that point, I was like kind of overwhelmed um, trying to be savior pastor. And uh, that just don't work. You know, I was kind of like, man, I knew the state and the condition of our youth today. Um, not any in individual youth, but in general, the way the condition of society. I mean, it's just horrible. Um, I, I don't even, man, I stopped watching the news before I got rid of my TV. I, the news is just terrible, man. It's, it's depressing. Um, so that's the state of our society today. And with the youth, it was like, man, God, how do I, how do I get them to be obedient to their parents? You, you see the problem, right? How do I get them? That's the problem. How do, how do I get them not to partake of sexual morality? Again, how do I? That's the problem. So I had these questions, and God's like, man, relax. <laughs> you know? When they fall in love with me, it's all taken care of. Because if they love me, they'll keep my commandments, and they will be obedient to my word. So I said, okay, let me back up here. Let me just lay down and surrender to you so that you can use me to help them fall in love with you. So that was kind of what... Our heart was geared towards last year, um, and then this year, I was listening to the Eddie James song uh, at the end of last year, and um, it was, you know, it was like it was like a, a child of God crying out to his master. Um, he was crying out. He was mourning for for the lost and and for the saved um, to open open the blind eye, unlock the deaf ear. Um, we are your people, so that's the saved portion. Um, but basically, he was just crying out to God, wanting God to just move. And I said, man, this is an awesome song. And then all of a sudden, surrender and sacrifice came to me. I'm like, man, that's, a, that's awesome. If we surrender and sacrifice our lives, then we can fall in love with Jesus. So let's make that the theme for this year. Let's surrender and sacrifice. And that's where my heart has been dwelling on for the entire year. And that's what this conference has been about. And that's what this message is going to be about. So now that you got a little history there, I'm glad that you know me a little better. I can give you all my phone number and we could talk all night long too. Um, the word surrender and sacrifice. Surrender. The word surrender, it actually doesn't even appear in the King James Version of the Bible. However, the word render does appear 33 times. And it's Latin by its origin, um, sir and render. There's two portions to it. Sir means to, um, to, to give up.
I'm sorry. Sir is a form of super. It's above, over, more than, excessive. And render means to give back, to restore, to give up. So the word surrender is to give up in excess, to give back more than. Um, Dictionary.com says to give oneself up as into the power of another, submit or yield. So when you surrender to God, when you surrender your life to God in totality, you know, the life that he gave you, when you surrender that to him, it, it doesn't even compare with the inheritance that awaits for you in eternity. Everything that you're going to give up here is nothing compared to what waits for you in eternity. This is a small timeline that you have. I never forget Pastor Robert when he gave the message about God has allotted you a certain amount of time, and no one knows what that allotment is unless, of course, they commit suicide, which nobody in their right state of mind would do that. But it's an allotted amount of time that God has given to you, and you don't know how much time that is. So we got this little bit of a timeline, this small timeline in comparison to eternity, and when we surrender that timeline, it's nothing in comparison to what our inheritance is. So sacrifice is giving up something valuable or important to someone or something more valuable or more important. So with that said, I want you guys to check out this video clip here. If somebody can turn out the lights for me. Some of y'all may have seen this movie. Daddy? Hi, Gracie. Hi, honey. Grace, I know I promised you I was coming home. But I don't under understand. Looks like I'm going to have to break that promise. I, um... I lied to you, too. When I told you that I didn't want to be like you. Because I am like you. And everything good that I have inside of me, I have from you. I love you so much, Daddy. I'm so proud of you. I'm so scared. I'm so scared. I know it, baby. But there won't be anything to be scared of soon. Crazy. I want you to know AJ saved us. He did. I want you to tell Chick that I couldn't have done it without him. Take care, AJ. I wish I could be there to walk you down the aisle. But I'll... I'll look in on you from time to time, okay, honey? I love you, Grace. I love you, too. Gotta go now, honey. Daddy, no! <sighs> please I know I almost cried the first time I watched it whenever I was preparing for this message I'm sorry I'm gonna go over the definition of sacrifice again and giving up of something valuable or important for someone or something else considered to be of more value or importance so your life is important and valuable to you at least I hope and um, 
in the video, you've seen an illustration of a father who obviously had a lot to live for. His daughter was, you know, fairly young, and she was going to be married. And um, he, he considered his life valuable. However, there was no value in his life when you compared it to the value of all of humanity. If you've never seen that movie, there was, um, I think it was a meteor or something like that was going to hit the earth. So all of uh, the earth was going to be destroyed. So he was sacrificing his life for all of humanity, not just his loved ones. And um, like I said, I know your life's important to you, but the glory of God is of much greater value. The book of Isaiah 43, 7 says that everyone that is called by his name is created for his glory. And, and in 2 Thessalonians 1, 10, it says upon his return in his saints, he will be glorified. So the glory of God is of much greater value than our lives even. And it, the question is, are you a person called by his name and are you a saint? And if you are not, then seek his face. Simple as that. Seriously. That's what his word says. If you seek you will find. Be comforted by that. Those are comforting words. That means there's a way out. Okay? You seek, you will find. He is God. He does not lie. So if it says it in his word, you can bank on that. Now, if you are a called individual by his name or a saint, then we saints must continually be asking Jesus how our life is bringing glory to him. Or what can we do to continually bring you glory? And as he said on the Sermon of the Mount, he tells them, he says, this is who will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Um, this is who the kingdom of heaven belongs to. This is who's going to be comforted. This is who's going to be satisfied. This is who's um, going to receive mercy. This is who's going to see God. This is who um, is going to be called a son of God. So we can go through those and, and ask ourselves, are we poor in spirit? Are we poor in spirit? Do we realize that spiritually we are bankrupt? The condition that we were born in from our physical nature can't satisfy God. You see, that's being poor in spirit when you, you recognize that there's nothing that you can offer God in order for, to satisfy that legal debt that you have. See, Paul, the apostle Paul, he was poor in spirit. He said, I'm the least of all the apostles and the chief of all sinners. He was an individual who was poor in spirit. He wasn't haughty. He wasn't prideful, saying, I'm very spiritual. Yes. All my epistles. Yeah. Yeah, he, that wasn't Paul. You know, he was recognizing that he's poor in spirit. And Jesus said, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he says, how much mourning? How about mourning? How much mourning do we endure for the reality of sin and the sin and lives of others? How much are we on our knees mourning and crying about the sinful nature that we have? Oh, wretched man that I am, who delivers me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ. How much are we doing that? And not just us, but... God, this is my family. I love them. God, these are my friends. These are my coworkers. I love them. God, I do not want them to leave this earth and depart from this place and go into a place of eternal darkness and torment being separated from you, which is the worst of all. How much are we mourning for that? See, we're asking the question, okay, I want to bring you glory. Well, how can I do it? It all falls into the context of surrender and sacrifice, and that's what we're breaking down. Jesus says those who are mourning, they will be comforted, and I can testify to that. I'm sure a lot of you can as well. How meek are we? Do we, have, do we have to have control of everything? Or are we content knowing that God is in control, proclaiming your will be done? Thy will be done, Father. You will inherit the earth. Do we hunger and thirst for righteousness? I like this. I even better said, do we hunger and thirst for God? Because he's the source of righteousness, right? You will be satisfied Listen, this is what Jesus is saying. You will be satisfied. 
How much mercy have we shown specifically on those closest to us? Oftentimes, our true character is only known by those who are closest to us. Forgiving even those, forgiving them even whenever they don't really deserve to be forgiven. How much mercy have we shown? You are the ones that will receive mercy. What about a pure heart? God's not going to be tricked by your outward display of great things you do. No. He's much more concerned for the thoughts that allow that you allow to infiltrate your mind and continually. Are they pure? Because they can be pure. You shall see God. How many people want to see God? Amen. Keep those pure thoughts in your mind. Are we peacemakers? This isn't simply being an advocate of law enforcement to prevent crimes and such, but we are striving to bring peace between lost and dying humanity and holy, righteous God. You see? Peacemakers. I'm not talking, hey, man, break it up, break it up, break it up. Guys, guys are brothers, man. Why are y'all fighting? I'm not talking about that. You see, and when you first look at it, you think, oh, I'm a peacemaker. You know, I don't let no one fight in front of me. No. <laughs> Are you seeking the loss that needs to be saved? Are you studying the word of God to try to get a word from God, scraping up your knees, mourning and crying out for their sin condition because you know, do you know? You know that they're going to depart from this place if they do not receive salvation, if they do not understand the gospel and repent for their sins and trust in Jesus Christ fully, they will end up in eternal darkness. People don't like to talk about that. Why? Are you a peacemaker between them and God? You said you, you know God. We know God, right? Let's be peacemakers. Have you been persecuted for the sake of righteousness lately? We must be living for righteousness sake before we can be persecuted for it. Amen. Okay. Um, the, the world will not tolerate your Jesus talk. So all you have to do if you want to be persecuted, trust me, this will work. This is what you need to do. You promote the gospel in a manner that condemns sin and those who glory in it. Okay? There's a lot of people who glory in sin. You can go to a lot of different places to where it's like, whoa, you feel very uncomfortable. In a manner that reduces man and glorifies Jesus, that sears the conscience of the ungodly and convicts them at heart for their conduct, without a doubt, you will be persecuted for the sake of Christ. I promise you. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. We are called out of darkness to be about the Father's business. Somebody say it, about the Father's business. About the Father's business. Somebody say, that ain't my business. That ain't my business. That's God's business. I want to be about the Father's business. About the Father's business. Me too. Not to be a new and improved, more morally you. We are to be the salt of the earth. This is what Jesus said. I love what Jesus says because he says a lot of things that are just like, that just cut right here. The light of the world and the light is to shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to our father who is in heaven. So you're like, what's the purpose of this all? Why were you called into darkness? Well, first of all, you couldn't see nothing. You were blind. So God in his grace, he said, come over here. All right, now you see? Yeah, there's a lot going on, ain't there? See, you weren't you paying attention to none of this. Now I'm trying to show you, okay? Now I'm putting this light in you, not so you can be morally better you, remember? So that you can go let your light shine in a dark world so that he can be glorified. Amen. You see? Why? Because those who are called by his name, they're created for his glory, right? So as people come out of darkness, God's being glorified. 
You see? So how does this definition fit Jesus? This definition of laying down your life or or, uh, giving up something important uh, or something of value for something or someone of more value. Because obviously our value is not greater than Jesus, right? So it couldn't have just been he sacrificed his life just for me. It's even deeper than that. It's so much deeper than that. How does the definition fit Jesus? His sacrifice was not simply for the redemption of souls, but for the glory that is to be revealed in God in that redemptive work upon his return. There is a greater purpose to the redeeming of your life. Jesus did not die to simply redeem our lives from destruction, which is enduring the wrath of God on the cross. It did accomplish. Okay, so you can be comforted by that. But to all who believe and repent. However, the redemption of your life is to bring glory to our Father God who is in heaven. That is the greater purpose. Somebody say it's about his glory. About his glory. Amen. So... Who are we to surrender and sacrifice to? Seems that's a pretty easy answer, right? It's Pastor Chad. You know, he talks about God all the time. Okay, we surrender and sacrifice to God. You're right. That's correct. We're going to break this down a little bit, though. We surrender to God, to the God of the Bible, first of all, because there's like three million gods out there. Some of y'all might have some, 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 some false images of God in your head. Um, that's why you need to read the Word so that you understand who the God of the Bible is. Um, so we surrender... To the God of the Bible, the ruler of all things, the master of the universe, the creator of life, giver of salvation, the one who dwells in eternity with unparalleled power and infinite foreknowledge. He is a God of covenant and relationship that has chosen mankind to be image bearers of him. That is who we surrender and sacrifice to. We don't surrender to sacrifice to man or woman or employer or the image that the world loves and glorifies. Right? Some of y'all love your husbands. Some of y'all love your wives. Some of y'all love your children. You do not surrender and sacrifice to them in entirety. We're not talking about submission here. I'm going to clear that up too. But surrender and sacrifice, that means you are living every second of your life. You are laying down your entire will all for that specific purpose. Not man, not employer, not the image that you desire or that the world likes and loves. Surrender and sacrifice is not to be confused with submission. There is an established biblical order of authority within every area of everyone's life. I don't care who you are. You can be on top of the world. There's still somebody that's got authority over you. If nobody else is Jesus. All right. So as a matter of fact, the people that are on top of the world, they're only in the position they're in because of God anyways. Because God's the one that puts all authority, right? Okay. John Bevere, y'all got that down. All authority is from God, and whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. That's Romans 13, 1, 2. Y'all can turn there. And by the way, if y'all want these notes, um, I will be more than happy to email them to you. I wanted to print them out, but to be honest with you, I didn't get an opportunity to. So forgive me. Um, So, now that we talked about who we to surrender or sacrifice our lives to, we're going to talk about what. Are we to surrender and sacrifice? Because that's important too, right, Brother Jimmy? What do we surrender and sacrifice? I like the way he's smiling at me. He makes me feel good up here. <laughs> Love that guy. So, I can, so I can, we can end this point right here and just say your lives. I'm going to break it down a little bit. I want you all to check out the video first.
OneTimeBlind.com. He has some good stuff there. Um, that, that was self-explanatory. <laughs> Jesus came to do the work of the Father and was completely surrendered unto the will of God while he walked the earth. In the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he was to sacrifice his life as a ransom for the sins of all of humanity, he displays a loving, trusting, devoted life to his Father by seeking him in prayer and surrendering to his will. Being confident that his father's will was perfect and greater than the temporary sufferings and temporary separation that he was about to endure. Luke 9, 23 and 24 um, says that if you want to follow after Jesus, this is what Jesus says. If you want to follow after me, you must first deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him and follow after him daily. Um, so and then in verse 24, it goes on to say, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Understand what that means. No one wants to die. Okay? So Jesus ain't talking about you not wanting to die physically. All right? If you got, got some type of disease or something, you'd be going to the doctors trying to fix it. You know, you, you, you want to live. Okay? We have eternity stored up inside of us. All right? So we, it's not that that he's talking about, but he's saying, look, look at the context he's talking about. 23, he's saying, if you want to follow after me, you must first lay down your life, take up your cross, and follow after me. The living sacrifice that Mike was talking about yesterday, okay? It's harder to be a living sacrifice than somebody to just take you out, okay? Because a living sacrifice is dying daily. How many people we got are married in here? Y'all know what a living sacrifice is. <laughs> yes. I know what a living sacrifice is from my marriage, my goodness, because I'm called to love my wife as Christ loved the church. That is a high calling that there is no way you can understand until you're married. Anyways, well, I shouldn't say no way, but I know I didn't understand it. Um, but I'm glad I'm married. Anyways, um, look, let me tell you something. If I was not married, I would not be the man of God I am today. Why? Because in your marriage, you are called Okay, you were called to lay down your life, right, and follow after Christ. That is the best place you get an opportunity to do it. I mean, that's my opinion. I mean, I can't make a, a broad statement, but seriously, in my life, that's been the best place of laying down my life and serving this woman. Laying down my life, laying down my will, accepting her faults, accepting everything that's not the perfect about her because there ain't nobody in here perfect. And that is me being conformed into the image of his son. Every weakness she has is for me to be conformed into the image of his son. So I thank God for my marriage because there's things that I learned that weren't, they weren't surrendered to God, but I realized that they weren't whenever, as I continue to go through marriage. Um, so for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but if you, if you, if you lose your life, you will save it. So if you're that individual that says, I want to sit on the stool, but you, you take it, you take it, you take it, you take it. No, 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 not right there, not right there, not right there, not right there. You, 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 you're like a leaf blowing in the wind. You're double-minded. You're going to give your life to God, or are you going to surrender and sacrifice, or are you not? Because if you want to, if you want to, if you want to save your life, you want to hold on to all of this right here, was it you or Pastor Aldo maybe, oh, Pastor Aldo about the heart. You got this little closet over here. Now, God, you can have all this. Watch out for that little spot right there, though, because that's my junk drawer. That's, that's where I keep everything. I, I'm not, I don't want to give that to you. That hurts too bad. All right? That, that don't work like that. That's you trying to save your life. You need to lose it for the will of God, for the glory of God, 
for the benefit of the body, for the edification of the saints. As you not thinking about you, but you thinking about them. You're not thinking about you, but you thinking about God. Right? You think about others, you think about God. Two greatest commandments. And that's what we're going to talk about here. We're going to talk about what does life consist of. You're saying, I don't want, you know, I, I got to want to lose my life. I got to want to lose my life. So what does this life consist of that you're talking about here? It's summed up like this. Mind, heart, soul, and strength covers every area of everyone's life. Mind, heart, soul, and strength. There ain't nothing else about you. That's it. Deuteronomy 6.5, Matthew 22.37, Mark 12.30, Luke 10.27. All of these talk about loving God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. Some of them leaving out strength. Some of them adding mind. Whatever. They, all, they all have the same purpose, that you completely relinquish yourself and you lavish yourself upon God. You surrender your thoughts. You surrender your will. You surrender your mind. With all of your soul, all your strength, you surrender it to God. Loving him, choosing to do exactly what his word says to do instead of choosing to do exactly what your sinful heart wants to do. Okay? So each one of these scriptures instructs us to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. The soul is determined by the mind and heart. It is simply who we are outside of our physical appearance. Strength, as this bishop explained is in one of his sermons, is loving God with all the abilities that you have. You got talents. You got abilities. Some people ain't got no legs. You got legs. Some people ain't got no arms. You got arms. Some people aren't athletic. Are you athletic? Ivan was ministered to on a basketball court with the athlete of Pastor Robert. Okay, Pastor Robert was being a living sacrifice. He was balling, but he was sharing the gospel. Okay, so I mean, what abilities and what talents do you have? Are you utilizing those talents to bring glory to God? You see, we cannot listen. We cannot just say, "I'm going to bring glory to God right here at this time, at this day." But this right here, this is my time. I'm doing what I want to do. I'm balling. No, you ain't just bowling. You're bringing glory to God. Everything you do, every thought needs to be brought into obedience unto the mind of Christ. Your life is a living testimony, a living sacrifice. You are called out of darkness to be that illumination into a dark world. Now, let me, let me clarify something because some of y'all are radical, like me, like Justin, like Justin. Um, so... That doesn't mean you go around telling everybody, repent or you're going to hell and be, as Bishop would say, a John the Baptist rapper. <laughs> but it also doesn't mean you remain silent. You see? And Anthony said something yesterday. See, y'all missed all these speakers yesterday. I keep talking about these speakers. Y'all missed them. Anthony said yesterday that people, they're watching you. They understand what you're doing. They see what you're doing. That's why whenever something's going wrong, doo -doo 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 -doo, I know that y'all go to church. I know you pray, so I just want you to pray for, for my daughter. And, and it's kind of funny, but it's serious, too. Because why? Because your life is reflecting a, a, a character. You're reflecting a life of separation from the world and connection to God, even so much that people want to call you to get them to pray. Don't get all boastful and prideful. That don't mean nothing. It just means that you're showing that you are willing to surrender to God. And they don't feel like they're even worthy to go before God, which means you need to be sharing the gospel with them a little bit more. Um, but um, whenever people do that, I don't know, I forgot my point. <laughs> Anthony was sharing it. Witnessing. Loving God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. Being radical. That's right. Indirect. See, Bishop, I love Bishop. Man, we're like one. One mind I want to go <laughs> He's right. That's exactly what I was thinking. Indirect witnessing. 
you're living a life that is not just so radical trying to push the gospel on everybody, but you living a life that is bringing glory to God and everybody is seeing it. And on God's time, he might want to call them out of darkness and you might be the one that has the word for them. So just be ready at all times. But nonetheless, don't try to lay God down and talk about God whenever, you know, whenever it's right and talk about all this other junk when, you know, when you want to. That's part of surrenders and sacrifice every moment of every day. I know it's a high calling, but it's worth it, y'all. So that's the soul. That's the strength. Now, the mind and the heart, they're without a doubt connected in Scripture. Where's my wife at? Oh, man. So disappointed. <laughs> Y'all are going to be happy, though. That chicken tastes good. Um, she's the one to tell me, okay, you did this too much. You did that too much. And I'll say, why are you always criticizing me? Just tell me you love me. <laughs> See, I'm getting personal. Now y'all want to laugh at me. That's messed up. I'm trying to share something with y'all. All right. The mind and heart are without a doubt connected in scripture. A lot of this is going to come from Pastor Ted Tripp. Uh, I think he's up in Illinois somewhere. But, man, this guy, he has a, I don't know if any of y'all have ever heard of shepherding the heart of a child. It's a ministry he has. Um, God has given him a lot of wisdom when it comes to raising children. I was actually talking to our children's church ministers about that recently. But anyways, the heart is the wellspring of life from Proverbs 4.23. We live out of our hearts. Every emotion, feeling, characteristic, they all stem from within the heart. It is the wellspring of life, and life flows from it like a spring that flows continually, distributing all, distributing all that its source provides. So here's some things that the Bible says that we do from out of the hearts. First of all, let me just tell you, the heart in the English Standard Version appears 764 times in 708 verses. In the King James Version, 833 times in 765 verses. So, so it, the heart seems to be something important to God, right? But you're going to see the connection between the heart and the mind. We think with our hearts. In Genesis 6-5, every thought and intent of the heart. God seen that every thought and intent of the heart was evil, continually doing wicked. We remember with our hearts. God wants, God's telling Moses, you know, remember my commandments. Keep them in your hearts. We know with our hearts. We discern with our hearts. We store things in our heart. We see with our hearts. Hate with our hearts. Fear with our hearts. Grieve with our hearts. We're proud in our hearts. We're faithful in our hearts. We lust with our hearts. We love with our hearts. We pray with our hearts. Hannah speaking to God. She was speaking to God in her heart. She was all silent. She didn't want to know it. You know, she was talking about how she wanted a child. She was praying in her heart unto God. And then right in the very next chapter, she's rejoicing in her heart because God answered that prayer. She, you meditate in your heart. You sing in your heart. You give in your heart. Let each one give according to his purposes on his heart. You set up idols in your heart. The whole Ezekiel chapter 14. Seek God in your heart. Um, Psalms 27, 8, my heart says to your face, I will seek, repent in our heart. Joel 2, 12, uh, believe in our hearts. Romans 10, 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your hearts that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So all of this stuff, like the Bible says, it's the wellspring of life and life flows from it. We do all of this in our heart. This is the connection between the heart and your mind. So you, when someone says, love the Lord God with all your mind, heart, and strength, you can know loving him with all your mind and heart is like connected because people always say, oh, well, you know, you know, God knows my heart, okay? Are you loving him with your heart? I mean, what's going through your mind? What does that mean to you? Are you just saying it because you don't want to talk about the subject anymore? Um, so just th think about it because it's like, it's, it, yeah, it's just like, 
So God obviously considers it important. Surrender and let God sit on the throne of your heart. Like Pastor Robert preached in another message. That's just like the stool video. I mean, she obviously didn't, she wasn't sure if she wanted God to sit on the throne of her heart. And God said, you make the decision. So now we're going to talk about why do you surrender and sacrifice. The number one reason, I love this, is simply because we can. Everybody say, I can. can. Say, praise God. Because it's only because of the grace that you can, but you can. God has given us that invitation, and although we are blinded at one time, and some of us are still blinded, lovers of darkness rather than lovers of light, trying to not come to the light because you won't want your deeds to be exposed. You're concealing your sin. Okay, don't do that. Um, so God has extended this invitation, and he's made a way for darkened hearts to come to him. It is a miracle. Um, it's first important to know this, and I have to clear this up. Know that God is holy, and he will not allow just anyone to dwell in his presence. Many feel like they should simply be forgiven and God should just grant them a free pass into his kingdom when the day of judgment comes. Right? Many feel that way. Trust me. If you go out and evangelize, they're going to tell you, well, God is loving. He should forgive me. Okay. Well, it doesn't work like that. You ain't God and you don't make the rules. All right? So what they fail to realize, listen to this, what they fail to realize is that in his great mercy, he has done just that. And in their free time here on earth, they're choosing to serve themselves instead of serving him. Oh, God should just forgive me. He should just let me go into heaven because he's good and he loves me. That's what he's trying to do. You won't listen to nobody. Your heart is hardened. Don't lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways. Trust in him. So thus revealing that they truly don't desire to be with God for eternity, but whenever the time comes, they like to join the party of hell's the alternative. In other words, I don't want to be with you, God, but I'd rather be with you than Satan. That type of heart God don't want nothing to do with. God loves those who desire him, those who want to surrender and sacrifice willing to him in the integrity of their heart. Not just the fake outward display that everyone pats him on the back for, but in their daily lives. Those who seek him as a hidden treasure, acknowledging who they are apart from him and glorying in the fact that they know him and are rescued by him and from his wrath. Romans 5.9. That's what God desires. He wants that type of heart. Consider this analogy. A criminal surrenders himself to the authorities willingly. Right, he's got a little warrant for his arrest. He's like, I'm going to surrender myself. And he's hoping, I hope when I surrender, they're going to reduce this sentence. He's like, man, you know, it would be a miracle. It would be a miracle if whenever I went in there, they told me, clean slate. Because you surrendered, you're done. You don't even worry about it. We're going to wipe your slate clean. No legal debt, no more. In a perfect world, that's exactly what would happen in that criminal's eyes. And he would click his heels, jump up, and do that. What, what do you call it, Rolly? What do you call it? The what? The Dorothy? So I, I don't know. I'm thinking about doing it. I don't want to hurt myself. Don't do it. I'm not going to sacrifice myself on the altar. But that's what the criminal, I'm, I'm picturing the criminal doing that, though. He's like, man, I, I got a clean slate. That would be a perfect world. But I'm going to go ahead and turn myself in voluntarily, hoping the sentence is reduced. That's exactly what God does for us whenever we surrender. Colossians 2.15, it says, And you, you were dead in your trespasses, and God made you alive together again with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses, and he canceled out that record of debt, that legal debt you have with God that comes from the sin nature. And he nailed it on the cross. And then Romans 5, 6 through 8 says, For while we were still weak in the right time, while we were still sinners, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. 
And it says, for scarcely for a righteous man would one die. Perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we're still sinners, he died for the ungodly. So that when you as that criminal, you come before God, man, it'd be nice if I could just be forgiven for this legal debt of sin that I have. These violation of, of his commands. And that's exactly what he's offering you. That's exactly what he's offering. Listen, I'm not saying y'all need this. Okay? Most of y'all in here probably know Christ. I'm hoping you do. But this is just edification. All right. When we present in the gospel, these are things that we need to know. God has chosen mankind to be image bearers of him. He regenerates man through a new birth, born of incorruptible seed into his family by the spirit. See, originally we're born of the seed of Adam, right? That's corruptible. Somebody say, that's corruptible. So whenever Jesus came, he's the second Adam, and he's born of incorruptible seed whenever we lay down our lives and trust in him. Also, God justifies. See, what we're talking about here is why do we surrender to God? We surrender because he has regenerated us, he justifies us, he sanctifies us, and he glorifies us. All to be a part of his family in the kingdom of heaven. Somebody say, praise God. Somebody say, praise God. That's a beautiful thing, man. It's not to add to or improve to God. Why do we surrender to God? It ain't because you're adding anything to him. You are not adding anything to God when you surrender to him. Okay? If you think that, then you're prideful and you need to go and repent and you need to to just tell God to deal with that because you ain't adding nothing to God. The Lord, this this is God apart from humanity. The Lord most high, the Lord of hosts, the Lord our provider, the Lord our standard or banner, the Lord that sanctifies, the Lord our shepherd, the Lord our ruler, holy, righteous, infallible, true, and faithful, Love in its fullness, creator, sustainer, Lord over all, lawgiver, just judge, glorious, all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere at all times, eternal, dwells outside of the realm of time, and never sins. You think you can add to that? Nope. But we are very much in benefit. Why do we surrender and sacrifice? We are very much in benefit in every way by surrendering him, for this is who we are apart from him. All right, now y'all can just, y'all can say, I'm glad I'm saved. Because right, this is going to be deep. All right. Romans 3, 10 through 18. Unrighteous, lacking understanding, self-seekers instead of God-seekers, unprofitable, doing no good. Our tongues are used to deceive. Our mouth are full of bitterness and curses. Feet are swift to shed blood. Our paths are in ruin and misery, not knowing the way of peace and having no fear of God in our eyes. Mark 7, 21 through 23. Out of our hearts comes evil thoughts, sexual morality, thefts, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. Romans 3, 23. For we've all fallen short of the glory of God we've all sinned it's Ecclesiastes 720 not one man is righteous not on earth not one of them ever does not sin Ephesians 2 1 and 3 dead in our trespasses and sin fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and by nature's children of wrath why do we surrender and sacrifice to God somebody tell me why not I just talked about who God is and I just talked about who you are who we are okay humanity needs a savior that's the reality of sin that's the reality of nature it's just we don't make the rules and god in his loving mercy he's made a way for that to be possible so as shown in the descriptive wording god is good by nature and we are not apart from the regeneration by the spirit of our hardened and darkened hearts of our corrupted and defiled minds thanks to sin no thanks we are all in no way capable of pleasing God who considers sin enmity, enemies of God. 
And my last point here, and Bishop's going to like this one because he's going he's gonna to feel his sermon from a couple weeks ago all up in here. <laughs> How do we surrender and sacrifice to God? We talked about what. We talked about why. We talked about who. How. I want to know how. I want to know how. The first point is faith. See, faith is where your hope comes from. We're doing a, 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 a series in TCG right now. It's called The Sixth Sense. It's faith. You see, because you can't see God, you can't touch God, you can't hear God. How many people heard God in an audible voice? I'm not talking about him speaking to you through his word. I'm talking about the five senses. And some of y'all might have. I'm not taking that away from you. God can do whatever he wants. See, touch, taste, feel, hear, smell. Did I say one twice? So the sixth sense is faith. We live by faith. The evidence of things not seen. Okay, the substance of what's hoped for. That's how we know God exists. Faith is counted to us as righteousness. That's how we know he exists, by our faith. Not because we can see him, not because we can hear him, not because we can touch him, not because we can smell him, not because we can taste him, but because we can know that he's there by faith. And faith is where the hope comes from. Faith is your sixth sense. It is the way to communicate to God, obey God, worship God, live for God. No one will surrender and sacrifice without having faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Somebody say, no one will surrender or sacrifice to God without faith. Let's take, for example, Noah and Abraham. These are two Bible characters here that when we talk about faith, I can't, I can't not think about these guys. You got Noah, okay? He builds an ark, an extremely big boat, okay? Took a lot of dedicated hard work over the course of a very long time, okay? And if y'all think these are just fairy tales and nice stories to make something real or just to, to bring something, all right, you, you need to repent. You got to go home. You need to get on your knees. You need to start studying the Bible a little more. You need to go to some counseling. Say, why do I believe this? Is this true? Is this not true? Everything in the word of God is absolute truth. Okay, it takes faith to believe that a man a long time ago built a boat that big and lived to be 900 something years old, right? Okay, it happened. So Noah, he builds this big ark, extremely big boat. He took a lot of dedicated hard work over a very long time, about 100 years to build this thing. Now Abraham, at the age of 75, he leaves the land that he didn't even know where he was going. 75 years old, he's got this woman with him that can't even have children, all right, going into this land, and God's saying, hey, I'm going to give you a child, and I'm going to bless all the nations through that seed. So Abraham just keeps on trucking along. 25 years later, at the ripe age of 100, with a 90-year-old wife and a long surrender journey of obedience, Isaac's born. Oh, and then God tells him, sacrifice Isaac as a burnt offering. Okay, you know what Abraham did? He didn't get all contentious. He didn't get all crazy with God. He said, oh, you told me the son was going to be a son of promise. Seed was going to become all the earth was going to be blessed. I'll kill him. You must going to be raising him for the dead or something. You're going to raise him from the dead because you said you promised me. I know you don't lie, God. That's crazy. Somebody say that's crazy. crazy. Y'all want to see how crazy it is? Because some of y'all don't look like they think that's crazy. Okay, let me first use Abraham. He had the knife right here and was ready to kill his son, the one of promise he waited 25 years for, the one that his wife was barren and could not have children, and now she has a child, okay? The one that he left his land and went into a place he did not know 
And he was fitting to kill him as a, as, and offer him as a sacrifice to God. And he had faith that God would raise him from the dead. Where in the world would I be if I took Isaiah and I say, oh, God spoke to me and I know that he's going to, um, he's going to raise this little child from the dead. I know God works differently, but I just want you all to picture this. And I'm taking Isaiah and I'm going up this mountain and I'm getting ready to kill this boy. And you guys are like, what are you doing? Y'all don't think his family asked him what he was doing? Some people would probably ask him what he was doing. I know Isaac was like, what are you doing? I was like, Dad, what are you doing? Where's the sacrifice at? <laughs> but if, 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 people, if people were to do that today, oh, man. HRS, white jacket somewhere. So it took a lot of faith for him to do that. Somebody say it's impossible to please God without faith. This kind of faith is the faith that it takes to surrender and sacrifice your entire life unto God. And when by faith your God becomes real, every word that is in his inspired, that is in his inspired word, the Bible, will become a precious gift to you and you will cherish it and you will obey it. When you believe that that word is inspired by God, you will cherish it and you will obey it. And this is Bishop's cue to come in. You can, you can just come in anytime you want to right here, Bishop. We're talking about how do you please God, right? Faith? How about Power. You need some power, right? Remember I was on a power trip a couple weeks ago? Power, prayer, outreach, word of God, expectance, expectancy, and radical living. That's Bishop's acronym. I did add obedient to that, though, um, obedient outreach. And the reason why is because our, our outreach is a little bit different. Somebody say, I think God I ain't got to build no big old boat and spend my whole life doing it, or a lot of my life doing it. That's not how we outreach. See, Noah, he outreached to a lot of humanity whenever he did that. You see what I'm saying? Because all of humanity was going to be destroyed, but God said, I'm going to reach out to the whole world through your family because the, the line of human race is going to continue through you. And all the animals are pretty happy, too, that Noah did that. So that was his form of outreach. But you can look in the life, I'm, I'm going to sum it up, but you can look in the life of Noah and you can see how he was a man of prayer. The Bible says that he was a righteous man who walked with God. Not a sinless man, but an individual who was righteous that walked with God. Had to be in prayer. Uh, Noah's manifestation of outreach was that he built that boat. Uh, Noah did what God commanded, the word of God. He said, go build this boat, and he did it, even though he was probably being laughed at and made fun of. So he had this power working in his life. Expectancy, what was he expecting on? He was expecting the flood. This flood's going to destroy all of y'all. And he was probably saying, look, y'all need to come and start repenting to God. Y'all need to do something. I'm just imagining this. Y'all need to do something because I'm building this boat for a reason because y'all are going to die. That was his expectancy. I'm sure he kept on building that boat. And this blood's coming. I need to make sure I get this thing finished. And then radical living. <laughs> if you don't call that radical, then I need, I need to know where your definitions are coming from. Abraham, prayer, prayerfully, he was constantly building altars. Everywhere he went, he was building altars before God. Constantly. Man of prayer. His method of outreach was being obedient. His seed of promise came through that obedience. And... He leaned heavily on this seemingly impossible word from God that he would, uh, he could have leaned on it a little bit more and we could have done without Ishmael. But, um, you know, he, he, he did lean on it nonetheless and it all worked out for the glory and it still continues to work out for the glory of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. But he was expecting Isaac, so he was expecting as well. He was expecting this son of promise that all the entire world was going to be blessed on. And offering Isaac, boy, that is the most radical thing I ever heard of in my life. And if y'all don't know the story, the angel of the Lord stopped him and said, don't kill that boy. I know that you're going to be obedient under all causes. And he provided a sacrifice. 
And the last thing that we can do outside of power and outside of faith is change your master, slave. Change your master, slave. Every one of us are slaves. We're slaves to sin, which produces death, or we are slaves to obedience, which produces righteousness. Obedient to the word of God. God, there's no loopholes in that, guys. There's no, I have a bad day. There's no, not today. Surrender and sacrifice in obedience. How do you surrender to God? Stop serving sin. Stop serving yourself. Deny yourself. Live for his will, not for yours. Everyone will obey their master. That is what slaves do. And I know y'all mentioned something about sometimes it takes a beating, but you're going to obey your master. You're a slave. It owns you. They own you. And even if it takes a beating to get you to obey, you're going to obey. Or you'll run. And y'all can talk. Y'all can go to the book of Jonah and find out how running works. It doesn't work. Now that your master is no longer sin, your master is God. As Jesus said, you can only serve one master out of the two. There's not three. There's not four. There's two. It's God or devil, good or evil, obedience producing righteousness or sin producing death. Which one are you going to serve? Which one are you going to surrender to? Which one are you going to sacrifice your life to? This little timeline that we have here, it's not long. Which one are we going to surrender to? Why are we serving ourselves? It's not producing anything. For the longest time when I first got saved, all I tried to do was get people saved. I was like kicking against the goads. It's impossible. I don't get people saved. I can't live for me. I can't live for my will. I can't try to do what I think is best all the time. I have to do what the word of God declares to be best. I have to do exactly what the scripture declares me to do. And you'll get ridiculed for it. You'll get laughed at. You'll get mocked at. You'll get, oh, you think you know everything. You'll get it all. But you'll also get an inheritance. And you'll get a well done, my good and faithful servant. And that's the expectancy that you guys need. The expectancy for eternity. That will keep you going. It will keep you motivated. And whenever you're on your knees and you're crying for sin and you're crying because you got made fun of and you're crying because people are laughing at you. If you weren't here yesterday, the testimony was given. My, my buddy gave it. He said that his family laughs at me because I don't have a TV. They say, oh, he's going to drown his kids in the bathtub. He's crazy. The world does not understand these things, guys. The world doesn't understand how big your God is. The world doesn't understand why you don't do the things that you do because you know it brings glory to God. They don't understand it. It doesn't mean you stop doing it. So how do we surrender and sacrifice to God? We must have faith in God that results in power and a willingness to be enslaved by obedience to his word for his glory. want to I just want to let you guys know that first of all I, I love you I love all of you even though I don't know all of you well enough and 
the only thing that I desire at this moment is for you guys to recognize how real God is. For God to just pour some portion of faith into you that drops you on your knees and makes you tremble. So that you guys will say, I've lived this life for myself. For what? God has brought you here for a reason. God is sovereign. God ordains the footsteps. Do you make decisions? Absolutely. I'm not talking ignorance here. I'm talking about an all-knowing God. But we got decisions to lay down our lives. We got decisions to stop living for ourselves and live for others. And you know what my biggest motivation is? It's the lost. People who don't know God. Because I know what I have. I know what I know. I know what I, I know who my God is. How many people don't? With that said, I just want to close in prayer. And if you guys have any questions about the message, if you guys want the notes, um, if you guys want to speak to somebody about any of the words that I use today or whatever, or what sin is or what salvation is and what repentance is, um, please get with um, one of the pastors. And get with me and uh, we'll sit down and we'll talk. And we'll go through the Bible to teach you um, about salvation. So that you guys can begin, um, if you haven't already, to begin to walk with God. And begin to um, strive to.